I think it is so easy for all of us to really lose track, to, to lose the grasp on just what a people of destiny we are. A people of purpose. I think life can be so consuming with its setbacks and its victories, with its love and its hate, uh, with its agendas and its hopes and its dreams and its disappointments. It can overwhelm the truth about you and I that we are a people of destiny. We have a purpose. There's a reality and a plan for your life and mine. Uh, we, we have a, a worship song we do uh, that talks about that. It's going to be wild. It's going to be great. It's going to be full of, of Jesus. It's going to be full of me. And that is our destiny. It's your destiny and my destiny. And we can look at our lives and feel very ordinary. And if Jesus could probably say one thing to you today, it would be, you are anything but ordinary. You're a lot of things, but ordinary. Because God has never created ordinary. He didn't get up one day and go, let's make some ordinary. Let's make some really average uh, stuff. I, I know my heart doctor one day, he wrote a, he wrote a report about my heart, giving me a checkup on my heart, and, and he said it was unremarkable. I didn't like that. I went back to him and said, what do you mean my heart is unremarkable? He said, there's no remarks to make. It's fine. Looks great. I thought, oh. oh, okay. Unremarkable never sounds good, does it? When your doctor says, okay, you're, you're unremarkable. Oh, wow. If you're... If you're girlfriend or boyfriend or your spouse said, I find you completely unremarkable. Now, that might happen to some of you, but, but the truth is, God looks at you and I, and he goes to the verses where we see that the scripture says that you were fearfully and wonderfully made. That even before you were born, he loved you, and he knew you. That you were an inspiration to him before he created you. <clears throat> In Ephesians 2.10, uh, use this language. This is out of the New Living Translation. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. That is not ordinary, is it? That's not unremarkable. A masterpiece of the creator. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. You see, it's in this new state of being, this rightly corrected reality, we are rejoined with the powerful purpose and a powerful destiny that we were created to walk out. I think for most of us, it is, it is very hard to really accept that. You see, the small is much easier to believe. But God would say here that he has had plans for you for a long time. He's had plans for you. And that you, filled with him, can accomplish those plans.
If we look, uh, just pull a couple of verses from last week, we see that the Scripture is telling us, us as a people of destiny, a people with great purpose, we are told this, put your efforts into your unity. Put your efforts into your unity. We read in 4, Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 3, I urge you to live uh, a life worthy of the calling you have received. Live a life of destiny. Live a life of, as a people of purpose. Live be of, above ordinary. I'm urging. This is what Paul is saying. He's writing from a prison saying, all right, let me tell you what you can do. Live your life like it's been redeemed and restored to the destiny and the power of a creator who created a masterpiece. Be completely humble. This is what it kind of looks like. Be humble. Be gentle. Be patient. Bear with one another in love. Those are not easy words. Many of us struggle to be humble about anything. Many of us struggle to be gentle. Many of us struggle to be patient and to bear with one another in love. I mean, bearing with one another. You never use that term when it's easy, do you? I mean, you know, like I could say, wow, I bear with Melinda in our marriage. I bear with her, you know. But the truth is, it's the easiest and the, and the coolest relationship I've ever had in my life. I haven't even had as good a relationship with me as I have had with her. So bearing with her is not really a problem for me. Bearing with some of other people, it's some work involved. And, and to the point where God says, put love on it. Isn't that like the God trump card? That's like, oh man. He pulled a love card. I mean, it's like love conquers all. Love is supposed to cover all. Love is, it's like, okay, Bill, put yourself in a no way out. Bear with that person. In love. Oh, in love. Great. Great. Okay. I'm in, God. So he, he, he sets this stage. He's saying, put your efforts into unity, you people of destiny. And then he goes on, as we said last week, all the things that we have in common. We, we may be from different places. We may have different interests, different genres of life. We, we might be different in so many ways. But it says what you have in common is one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father. And God says, stop looking at the things that you don't like about one another. Stop focusing on the reasons that you want to disqualify the person sitting next to you. When we start looking at other people, you know, in the faith, I find it interesting. So uh, explain to me about the vineyard. Well, we this, we this, we this. Yeah, but what makes you different? You see, what they're asking me is, tell me where you conflict with others. Then I'll know who you are. 
well, we believe that you have to do this, and we believe that you don't have to do this, and we believe this, and we don't believe that. Okay, now I'm beginning to see our differences. Now I can decide whether I like you or not. Now I can decide whether you are a heretic going to hell or you're pretty close to me. And God would say, why are you focusing on, you know, this baptism is immersion and this baptism is sprinkle and, and with this church, people are going to hell if they smoke and this church, they, they hand out cigarettes. You know, why are you focusing on that stuff? We said Jesus gives his followers a new commandment. John 13, 34. A new commandment I give you. Love one another. There it is. This unity. These people of destiny. And the call continues to be, all right, everybody get together. Let's get everybody together. I want you to take all your differences and lay them down. And now we're going to get together. He says, as I have loved you, loved one another, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples. And we looked at that last week, kind of breaking that down. Love one another like I love you. You must love one another. This is how everyone will know that you follow me. So if we look at that and we say, what does it mean to us? Love one another. That's the what. Like I love you. That's the how. What are you going to do? Jesus is saying, I'm commanding you to love one another. How do we do that? Like I do. Exact same way I do. Follow my lead on that. You must love one another. Jesus puts this powerful priority. Where else do you see the language of must from Jesus? And then you get finally the why. This is the why of God's people. This is the why. Why do I have to love them, Jesus? Why do I have to be together with them, Jesus? Why do I have to be united with them, Jesus? Jesus is because that is the greatest expression of who I am with the Father. That is the greatest expression of the kingdom. That is why it is a non-negotiable that you will be together. There was never been a revival in the history of humanity that was started and carried out by one person. We are called to recognize and honor the fact that we are part of something much greater than we are. As a people of destiny, we are part of something very huge, very significant. So let's talk feet. What do you think? Hey, I could have got some really crummy ones up there, all right? I just didn't think I would get some of you back. I would lose you. Uh, you know, uh, these are feet. Most of them are decent looking. And then, <clears throat> you know, we can decorate them. We can adorn them with jewelry and with flowers and we can paint the toenails and stuff like that. There are other things that we can like about feet. 
We can look at some feet and say, wow, they're hardworking. They're very talented. I really am amazed by what a ballerina can do. And then some feet are just darn cute. Like mine. No, kidding. <laughs> all right, but with all these feet, let me ask you, what is missing? Shoes. What did you say? You know, the feet really struggle on their own. Now, feet may relate to other feet. Pilots to pilots, musicians to musicians. You know, get a bunch of pilots in the room and nobody else exists nor matters. Get musicians in the room, same kind of thing can happen. The feet, when all the feet get into the room, all the feet love, oh man, I love the toenails, you know. Wow, nice arch, I'm envious. You know, they can all, they can all talk. But the scripture says this picture is incomplete. And the feet need the rest of the body, just like the rest of the body needs the feet. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says it like this, <clears throat> starting in verse 12. Just as one body, the one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves, free. We are all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one, but of many. Paul goes on. I'm going I'm to have uh, someone share how Paul goes on to completely describe why we have to be careful about leaving something out. <clears throat> First Corinthians 12, 15-26. Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it 
so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Thank you. <clears throat> what we begin to see as we look at the scripture, we are this people of destiny. And Jesus begins this understanding, this truth that we are together and that it needs to be real and genuine, not just in the room, not wearing the same shirt, but we are together. Jesus saw this as um, a component or reality of being with him that could not be overlooked or understated or overstated. <clears throat> when we read on, picking up with verse 27 in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, here's what he says. Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. So I, I want you to understand the gravity of what Jesus began with his understanding, his teaching of unity. And that is he was drawing people together and saying, it will be absolutely necessary and critical that you figure out unity together. That you know how to love one another and enjoy one another and grow with one another and heal one another and understand one another, have room for one another, and space for one another, bearing with one another, you are going to have to do that. And here's why. Because the physical expression of God that is before people in my presence is about to leave the earth. And what I will put in place is a body I have created on my own through the Father that is made up of you. You are replacing the physical me. And I can have enough people that when they join together in unity, the world will see and understand the expression of Christ exactly the way they see and they understand the expression of Christ in me. You know, the Pharisees, they kept throwing roadblocks and roadblocks. They kept bringing uh, issues and, and trials into the life of Jesus and his followers. And, and their conclusion, their meeting was, this isn't working for us. They said, the whole world has gone after this man. You're a people of destiny. Do you hear it? Jesus said, I am replacing me with you. And that way I will be all over the world, complete, lacking nothing. And that's why we can't look down on one another. We can't see this person who plays well, this person who sings well, this person who's just naturally patient and forgiving. We can't see them as the more important pieces. We are all joined together. We are all important. And we are all redeemed for a purpose of revealing Jesus in this world. We are the body of Christ. We are. We are the destiny 
that Christ has placed the future in. That's us. That's me. That's you. That's what it says. Now you are the body of Christ. Christ is no longer the body of Christ. He is the head of, of, of the kingdom. He is the head. But we are the body of Jesus. And it says, and God placed in the church, in these communities of the body. See, we use that term body of Christ kind of loosely, don't we? That's just another way of saying Christian. Not true. We are the expression of Jesus. He puts into these communities that are the expression of Christ in person. He puts apostles, he puts prophets, teachers. He puts people with miracles and gifts and healing and helping and guidance and with different kinds of tongues. He says, all these things are going to be sprinkled into the body as necessary. You're going to need these if you're going to look like Jesus. You can't be moral and stop there and be able to be like Jesus. You can't be a good person and give your time and money and that's enough to make you look like Jesus. You see, we are the full expression of Jesus. Whether we completely understand that or not is not the point. The point is, that's who we are. And, and so what is communicated here is the supernatural and the natural will join together just like it did when Jesus was here in the flesh. We are that flesh. We are the natural and the supernatural together. Together. We are together. So it says that these different Individual people, they're here not to do the stuff. The person with the, with the healing gift is not here just to heal people. The person with the healing gift is here to demonstrate how to do it so you can heal people. It doesn't mean they aren't going to be better than you. It means that they do not have the lion's share. They do not have a captive audience with Jesus when it comes to healing. Same way with miracles. Same way with preaching or teaching. You see, the truth is, it says, these giftings are there. To teach and to train, to encourage, to challenge, to raise up the body in its complete and fullest expression. You see, we've kind of made the church almost a place of hired guns. We have these people with the calling. You're up top, right? And then you have people that are whatever, you know, they're kind of second calling people. And then you have some heavy-duty volunteer people, and then you have what we often call the sheep. Now, I know the Bible uses that term, so I let it go, but I don't like it at all. I'm not a sheep herder. 
And I'm not a pastor who is here to take care of sheep. I'm not here to clean up poop. I'm not here to, you know, tell you that's the way to stroke or anything. I, I, I'm, it's really not me. So if you're looking for a pastor that'll cuddle you and love you and, you know, go to your birthdays and your wedding and your funeral and, and then, you know, and then that person dies, I'm probably not your guy. But if you're looking for someone who will teach and impart and entrain and who will believe in you, all of that is resident in you. I'm your guy. I'm the man. I will hit that ball. And there are others here that can do that as well. Do all have these gifts? No. Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? It says, eagerly desire these. And then it goes right into chapter 11, 1 Corinthians. Anybody know what that chapter is about? It's about love. It's about love. He caps all this with, by the way, love. It's all about the love. These are just expressions of love. And in case we get our underwear all tangled up with the power stuff, he comes right back and says, okay, let's bring it back to what I'm about. We're not here to overpower people. We're here to love people. We're here to do it in ways that lets them know that there is an omnipresent, supernatural, all-powerful God who can intervene in their life. That's your job. That's your job to show that that is true. It's your job. Now, you might wonder about the idea of calling. I have my own issues about calling. I won't go into those. But I don't know that I'm called to be a pastor. I've never heard that voice. Am I a pastor? Absolutely. Do I like my job? Absolutely. Do I want to do my job? Absolutely. I heard a, uh, a story. I don't remember the names, but it was somebody in England. I don't remember when, but somebody, we, we heard this in Mexico last week. Somebody had um, offered, uh, they were wanting someone, they were grooming someone to run for prime minister of England. And so they had a, a, an elected official job that they wanted this person to take. They were uh, promoting this person uh, to get into this position. And this person was a pastor, a well-known pastor. And he said, if I do that and I get the, the job of prime minister, that will be a demotion for me. I, I can't take that hit. I, I'm not willing to go backwards. You see, that's how I feel about this job. I, I, I'm offered other jobs. I don't want a demotion. 
So, uh, <laughs> so you're, you're stuck with me. So, so that leaves us in the mind, in the eyes, in the commands of Jesus together. The expression of the body. We pick up this same thought process when he's talking to the Ephesians in chapter 4, verse 11. So Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers to equip his people for works of service. There it is again. You'll be amazed at how many times the leaders are not really doing the work. They're just modeling it, but it's not their job to do it. Equips the people for the works of service. Why? It says, so that the body of Christ may be built up. What builds up the body of Christ? The body of Christ. What, what builds up the body of Christ in numbers? The body of Christ. What builds up the body of Christ in maturity? The body of Christ. You see, it's one of the few places we see where Jesus says, when you walk with me, and when you come and, and step into the destiny of your faith, and you join together, you will be an unstoppable force. You will grow. You will be a participant in your community that sets your community free. It's the body of Christ. See, we build up the body of Christ until we reach what? Unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Do you hear what that says? It's tying unity and maturity together and saying that you indeed can become the full measure. We can attain the fullness of Christ right here as the body of Christ. Those verses there, we could live off of them if we took them seriously. Moving on. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by cunning, crafty people, defeat, deceitful schemes. You could also put in there money, pride, arrogance, lust, all those other things that get us off course. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. We will become the flesh expression of Jesus Christ. It's not a pipe dream. It's not a thing that happens after heaven comes. It's real. Right now, 
right here today. It's yours. It's mine. We step into our destiny. We recognize and realize that unity is not an option, but it's a requirement to be the expression of Jesus. I think one of the most dangerous things on the planet is individual believers who go as loners. I have a friend <clears throat> who was uh, is a Muslim, lives in a country that out of 120 million people, they could identify about 2,000 Christians. That's it. We have churches in this area bigger than that. But in a dream, he fell off a cliff and he was drowning. And he cried out for help. And there was someone that rescued him out of the water. And somehow he knew it was Jesus. Jesus saved him. He woke up saved. But you know what his burning desire was? How do I find my people? Where do I find them? Where do I look? And his search began to find his tribe, to find the body of Christ, the people of Christ, to find the people he could rejoice with, to find the people he could challenge with, he could live with, he could, he could, he could express his heart and hear the hearts of others. His longing was to join the body of Christ. And he had no idea how to find a Christian. So what he did is he answered an ad in the back of a magazine. And that's how he connected with the vineyard. I am amazed in different parts of the world the things people will do to just be around the body of Christ. To be around people who can, who can understand the love, who can understand the passion, who knows Jesus, who can talk Jesus stuff. I mean, just to, I, I've been around people that just know, just you guys keep talking. I don't, I don't know, know everything you're saying, but it, it's music to my ears. I know a Russian years ago who had just become a believer. And I had a friend who was over in Russia handing out testaments, New Testaments. And when he handed it out to this guy, this guy started screaming at him, but he couldn't understand what he was saying because it was in Russian. And, uh, and then he grabs him, and then they're in this cab and they go somewhere, and he finally got somebody to translate. This guy was screaming with excitement because 
he had wanted a Bible. And he couldn't find one. And he said, you answered prayer. And then he didn't want him to leave because he has this connection with the body of Christ. It saddens me that we, most of us, don't value the presence of the body of Christ. And I'm a pretty average American. I think I fall into that category as much as anybody else does. How we miss out on the wow factor of the person sitting next to us. You see, it says, instead, we speak the truth in love. We grow to become in every respect the mature body of of him who is the head. That is Christ. Verse 16, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Now, I think often we can look at our gifts. Uh, For me, I do pretty good speaking. We have others that are gifted in music, and we might look at those things and say, um, you know, that's what I'm doing to build up the body of Christ. I've, I've come to not really put much value in that. I'm not knocking what I do and what our worship team does and, and prayer teams and those people. I'm saying that this is a bit of a synthetic moment, isn't it? It's, it's where we come together and, you know, we know each other and that kind of thing. Where we need, and and what the scripture talks about is that we spur one another on to love and good deeds. We challenge one another in love and good deeds. And I'll give you an example of what I think that looks like that's probably more important than any sermon you will get. Except for my sermons, of course. You know, um, Saturday morning, Melinda and I went to a new restaurant for breakfast. Um, it was a, it was a, um, not a great experience for me. Uh, first place is the waitress argued with us over and over again. It was like, took us 10 minutes to order. And there aren't that many things on the menu, but it's like nothing seemed to work out. And then we finally got it worked out. She goes to the kitchen and then she comes back and says the cook won't do it. Now, we're not ordering anything that's not on the menu. And I, I feel my, you know, I feel my, my struggle rising. You know what I'm saying? I'm like frustrated with this. I'm thinking, why oh, you people aren't in business to make money, are you? I have money. And so this goes on and, and we get the food and the food wasn't very good. And, uh, you know, the downgrade continues uh, then we ask for the check. The check never comes. So finally, I go over to where the register is. I'm waiting. 
they're walking by me, management, ownership, whatever. They're all walking by me like I'm, I'm invisible. <clears throat> and there's a kitchen door right there, and it's got a, a window in the door. And I can see them in there, you know, like everybody who pays the bills. So, uh, so I do this. You know, I'm, I'm trying, but, and the guy steps out, and I said, uh, we need to go. Can we pay? <clears throat> Probably not quite that nice. But, I mean, I wasn't like, you know, Rude. I wasn't, I don't want to go that far, but I wasn't like, you know, using foul language or anything like that. And so, this lady comes out of the back, and, and she's uh, running the register, and, uh, you know, of course, I'm about to put a tip down, noted, and, uh, and this has been a, an experience that was not pleasant for me, and I could count it like zeros across the board. And then Melinda does this. She starts talking to this lady in Spanish. This lady was Hispanic, asking her where she's from. And this lady's countenance totally changes, and this smile comes on her face, and she's just kind of melting, and Melinda's just, they're just kind of going. And I just feel the Spirit of God all of a sudden. Like, like, see what you're missing out on? I was like, oh, I am. So, man, I mean, immediately I was like, you know, the S on my Superman suit was now shining, and, and I, was, I was in the game now. I was like, yeah, yeah, we're doing the stuff right now. I'm using the we kind of, you know, on Melinda's back a little bit, but but I'm, I want to play now. You know, now I want to play. While ago, I didn't want to play. I want to fight while ago. Now I want to play. And, uh, and so this is going on, and, and I'm just marveling at this. And the Lord is just pouring into me like, this is it, Bill. This is it. This is what takes an ordinary, disappointing life and makes it supernatural. If you miss this, you're going to miss most of them. If you can't pick me up in this moment, you're going to miss me a lot of times. And what you will experience is a disappointing reality. I have a feeling the moment wasn't even about the lady or Melinda. It was about me. It was like, what? What the scripture says. Spur one another on to love and good deeds. As the body, when we talk, when we share, how much of our conversation is spurring one another on? How much of it is just conversation? It's about teams or work or cars or music or you know, miseries or victories, whatever it may be. But how much of it is about spurring one another on, encouraging one another, challenging one another? You see, that's what we need from one another. I need people, in this case, like Melinda, to bring a different vantage point in my reality. You need that. We need that. 
That's what we can do for one another. So often what we do is we support people in their injustice and their misery. You're right. You shouldn't tip her or anything. You see, I don't need people to help me with that. Don't ever do that to me. Don't ever say, you're right, don't tip. Don't ever do that to me. I can just promise you we're both going down the toilet together in that moment. I need a different voice. That's why we are together. That's why we need one another. I don't, I don't care about your sports team. Um, you know, I mean, if I were to say, you know, Bama fans, you know, Roll Tide, and we could go you know, suey, you know, you're, everybody can pipe up for their band. But my question is, when somebody says, all right, who here is a Christian? Who here is a devoted follower of Jesus Christ? And people kind of, like, man, you got to get on the team. You got to have things that you're ready to say. You're in play. You're a person of destiny. This is our moment. We need one another. If you're just going to be my friend, you know, if we're just going to, you know, share Netflix moments and we're going to do, if you're just going to be my friend, then you have competition because I have other friends. And I feel absolutely the same way. You already have a busy life and lots of friends. But I don't have too many people encouraging me and challenging me in my destiny as a person of God. I, I don't have too many of those. I welcome you. Call me, text me, challenge me, write me. You see, we all need that from one another. We have a, we're a fairly busy people here. We struggle with time to be together. But I can tell you, it's hurting you. It's hurting me. Jesus didn't make it a command just to prove a point. It did two things. One, is it began to make a way that we could really stay the long course in growing in maturity. When I go off alone, you know I can be anybody I want to be. I can be anybody I want to be. That's why traveling for business, I used to travel weeks at a time for business all by myself. I can be anybody I want to be. <clears throat> if you would stand. <clears throat>